What started with a virus so small, your eyes couldn't see it. This is about providing a future for humanity. Wir schaffen das. The Commission has decided to fine Google 4.34 billion euros. Questo piano è, è l'occasione della vita. This is Europe's man on the moon moment. We are innovating here and we hope that you like it. L'Europe, d'une force commune d'intervention. Long live Europa. Long live Europe. Vive l'Europe. Welcome to Europe Calling, a series of podcasts brought to you by the European Commission looking at the politics and policies of the Union today. With me, Stephen Jones. And me, Paul Anderson. Very good to join you again, Stephen, for our first podcast of 2022. Thank you, Paul. You too. Today we're joined by one of the European Commission's Vice Presidents, Marguerite Chines, responsible for promoting the European way of life, whose wide portfolio includes key border, security, asylum and migration issues. A very warm welcome to you, Mr. Vice President. Delighted to join you. Thank you for having me. Let's kick off straight away with Schengen, which came into force in 1995, and the proposals launched late last year to upgrade the rules for today's altered circumstances. What changes is the Commission proposing and why? Schengen is the jewel in our crown. So we are proposing a new set of rules, first of all by introducing this new notion of instrumentalization of migration flows, which is something that we have seen recently in uh, our eastern external border, which is a new uh, idea, a new phenomenon that we have to deal with. And then we also make sure that the closure of internal borders would only be considered as a measure of last resort and that we keep the internal uh, frontiers of our union open with, whilst at the same time reinforcing the control at our external borders. I want to ask you about the suggestion that Emmanuel Macron has made about a Schengen Council. What do you make of this and, and whether it's going to add more complication to what perhaps needs to be decomplicated? This is an excellent idea. We see this idea of a more political governance of Schengen as an accelerator, as a fertilizer of our work and our proposals. It will mainly help us to focus in particular on all Schengen-related aspects of our work, borders, Frontex, interoperability of our databases and Schengen reforms. Do you also see as a good thing Mr. Macron's encouragement for greater burden sharing of the arrangements for countries first receiving illegal immigrants? Absolutely. This is the second priority on which we will be working during the French presidency, namely to accelerate the work on our proposals to bring about uh, a cohesive, holistic EU framework for migration and asylum policy. And the French proposals go to the direction of anticipating uh, some of these proposals uh, in a way that we have uh, groups of member states starting to work together on burden sharing uh, until the final agreement on our pact proposals emerges. It may also help us to accelerate the process towards this big European agreement that we desperately uh, need. And under no circumstances, I feel that there is resistance to this idea. Not even from Eastern European countries, which have proved somewhat reluctant in the past, have they not? 
Yes, this is true, but uh, at the same time, the dramatic events that unfolded at our eastern external border since July around the Belarus crisis, I think helped some of uh, the member states realize that solidarity and responsibility and common border management, these are issues that are emerging as a common concern, as a joint European concern, and all joint European problems required a joint European solution. Do please stay with us, Mr. Shinas, while we hear now from Ramin Samadzai, an Afghan migrant now legally settled in Belgium after a perilous trip in trucks, inflatables, and on foot through Pakistan, Iran, Turkey, Greece, and Italy some 13 years ago. He's in his mid-twenties now and works as a photographer. Here's how he describes the journey to get to Europe. It always starts with the idea of, uh, I have to live here for a better future. And of course, you need a smuggler for that. The most dangerous part for me was from Turkey to Greece by boat with about 12 people. I saw a wave coming towards us, going higher and higher, a huge wave, meters high. It basically came under our boat. And there's a moment I never forget in my life. Just for a fraction of time, everything was stopped. It's like I'm in the air and the feeling that I'm going to die has arrived. That's the only thing which I keep from uh, the journey. How much did you pay Ramin for the smugglers? There are very different cases. For example, some people just pay from Pakistan to Turkey, for example, 10,000 euros. Some people can make it with 1,000 euros. So it, it's really depending on who you're talking with uh, and how you, you get your connection. Combating people smuggling is a big task in Europe. How do you view it? They saved my life. It's because of them that we get here to, to Belgium or generally to Europe. So it's a completely opposite uh, view. Okay, smuggling is something illegal. I understand that. But because of that illegal action today, I have a future. So I don't see anything wrong about that. When it comes to the uh, European policy, I would say make it easier for people to come legally to Europe. Then they don't have to face all those things. Thanks very much indeed there to Ramin Samadzai. Now let's talk to Dr. Joana de Deus Pereira, a senior research fellow specialising in European security at the Brussels office of the think tank, the Royal United Services Institute. Joanna, a warm welcome to you. Looking at the wider picture in Europe, give us first your perspective on how the security environment has evolved here. What you have seen in terms of European policy is that it has always been triggered uh, by events. But now, presently, we are facing a totally different uh, type of, of threat. We were all appalled by Samuel Paty beheading uh, with um, attacks that do not need major uh, financing structures, so that are perpetrated by uh, lone wolves. Uh, and also other forms of radicalization. We are no longer talking about uh, only jihadi radicalization. We are already talking about uh, right-wing extremism, also far, uh, left-wing uh, terrorist events, and a whole new strand. Do you see reform of the Schengen Aki as part of the solution? 
I believe it continues to be the jewel of the crown of the European Union. And every attack to Schengen, either through terrorism or through migration, it's um, a pillar shaken within the Union. But with it, it also brings all sorts of dangers. Until there is a coordinated and a solid external border management, I think that Schengen can be a double-edged sword uh, because if the screening uh, security uh, mechanisms fail, there is a real threat uh, within the Schengen space. How big is the threat of hybrid warfare to Europe? We are no longer uh, facing a typical war. We are in another dimension where the threats are no longer only physical, but they are happening in the cybersphere. They are happening in troll farms. They are happening through the manipulation of social media. And these factors have not yet been completely and totally reflected in European policy. Ukraine has been a recipient, as we probably all know, of many such actions and now faces the threat of invasion. Do you think Europe has been sufficiently united in its stand against Russia? This situation, uh, per se, is is already quite evident that there is no uh, unison uh, within the Union. However, I would say that in case uh, of invasion uh, of Ukraine, I think that the European Union would face uh, the problem um, as, as a union. Dr. Joanna Dedeus Pereira, many thanks, and please do stay with us. Let's pick up on what Dr. Dedeus Pereira was saying on the question of European unity in the face of Russian warmongering. What's your take on that, Commissioner? This is something that is uh, uh, happening in, in Europe, but it's not a, a European problem. It is a broader uh, issue that links to the need for uh, a systemic uh, arrangement of, uh, of external security uh, in the world. We do not lose focus from the need to move towards uh, greater autonomy and resilience when it comes to security in Europe. One of the issues was the notion that even the fact that we're having to have this conversation about what's happening on the edge of Europe suggests that we haven't got it right until now and that we haven't been able to deliver that security you were talking about. I mean, this is a fundamental failure, is it not, of the mechanisms of our foreign and security policy? Yes, I think it is. Uh, But at the same time, I have been in European politics now for 30 years. I know well that uh, these type of solutions do not uh, happen overnight. Uh, We need a process to get to to moving as a union towards new fields like security and defense. Uh, This will take time, but it will happen. Picking up on your point on hybrid warfare... How right are European citizens to feel worried about the increasing threat of this, including cyber attacks? Yes, this is a new emerging landscape of threats. Uh, Europe is targeted, let's face it. And I think that uh, Europe should overcome a certain naivety <laughs> around this fact. Uh, the, uh, we have to be more aggressive. We have to build capacities both to deter but also to respond to this uh, type of attacks. There is a, a new ecosystem, both regulatory and tools and instruments that we are putting together to, to, to be able to face up uh, against the, the, these type of threats. 
We're going to turn to some extra thoughts shared by the young Afghan refugee, Ramin, which we'd like to play to you for your response. In addressing how migrants are treated, Ramin also has a point on their wider value to Europe. Immigrants uh, are always seen as something, let's say it's an extra cost for our society, but that's not true. Opposite way, they bring the most motivation, they do the most hard work in the society. So why, why not talk more about that? Speaking of the country I know best, we have like 50, 60,000 people now with refugee, recognized refugee status. And these are people who stay under the protection of our asylum laws in, in the European Union. And I think we have a duty to help these people, to be able to give them opportunities when it comes to education, health, housing. But they also have a duty to respect our way of life, the model of society we represent, the role of women in the family, in the workplace, the, the need for peaceful coexistence and religious tolerance. So this integration, it's, it's a two-way street. And what about Mr. Vice President Ramin's earlier statement that people smugglers have in fact served him and his family well? Ramin is sharing with us his, his own experience, but I think when it comes to policy response from the European Union, for us, one thing is clear. We need to break the business model of the smugglers. The smugglers are merchants of human suffering and misery. They try to exploit all the difficulties we're having. So basically, smugglers think they can go through our cracks and they can sort of exploit our weakness. So the moment that we get to this agreement on our pact proposals, the whole smuggling model will stop or significantly reduce. Many thanks. At this stage of the podcast, we'd like to fire off some lighter, more personal questions to get to know the man behind the role, myself and Paul following quickly one after the other. That's, that's fun, that's promising. <laughs> so let's kick off. What book are you reading at the moment? I just finished uh, a book by Anne Applebaum uh, called The Twilight of uh, Democracy. And I just started uh, another one by Mark Mazower on the Greek Revolution and the making of Europe. Both very exciting, very interesting. What do you plan to do after your mandate here ends? Mm. Well, uh, let me uh, share with you... Uh, 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 my personal uh, thoughts about the future. Actually, I would like very much to to go where I started, uh, which is uh, the College of Europe in Bruges. It would be delighted if I would have an opportunity to go back to the College of Europe and, and keep uh, uh, talking, engaging with young Europeans as I did uh, 35 years ago. Uh, both my previous colleagues, uh, Frederica Mogherini and Herman Van Rompuy, made it. Why not me? What's your favorite dish to cook for your family? Ah, that's easy. During the pandemic, I rediscovered that I had certain uh, culinary abilities, and I actually <laughs> now consider myself an expert on, on artichokes. So I have a, a recipe for artichokes with a lemon sauce, which is... Uh, a Greek recipe with, uh, with a Brussels twist, if I may say so. If you didn't have your current position in the Commission, in the College of Commissioners, what other job would you covet there? Mm. Actually, mine. 
<laughs> this is my dream job. By the time we air this podcast, we'll be six weeks on from the beginning of 2022. What was your New Year's resolution and have you stuck to it so far? It was to uh, eat better uh, and have uh, proper lunches, which I never had. And no, I haven't stuck to it yet. I, I didn't manage. That's an idea. Now, three of your favorite albums. What does Vice President Shinas like to listen to in his downtime? Well, that's generational. I, my favorite album was um, Dire Straits, the debut album of 1978, and Police uh, Synchronicity. I'm, I'm. That's my generation. I cannot help it. What would be your ideal job in another life? I think that I would enjoy teaching or doing your job in journalism. I, I, I never did, actually. I never taught and I never worked as a journalist. But I have met many, many academics and, and many journalists in my life. And I think that I would enjoy that. Uh, if I had another life, I would enjoy either of these professions. What is your favorite film and who's your favorite actor or actress? Well, uh, actress, uh, Marion Cotillard. Actor, uh, Anthony Hopkins and uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. And film? Film, I think I was very much impressed by Schindler's List. And uh, now that I, I also have responsibilities and work on the fight against anti-Semitism, I, uh, this is a film, probably the only uh, white spot in, in the dark pages of the uh, Holocaust uh, and the dark years uh, of the Shoah. So yes, this is a film I treasure. Great. Thank you very much, Mr. Vice President. And we'll let you get back to your job now and perhaps a lunch that you may have delayed for us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Well, that's it from us for now. We'll be back soon with another edition of Europe Calling, tackling another issue at the heart of European life with those trying to shape it. You can tune in to previous editions on the DGCom website and all good podcast platforms. But for now, from me and Stephen, goodbye. What started with a virus so small your eyes couldn't see it. This is about providing a future for humanity. Wir schaffen das. The Commission has decided to fine Google 4.34 billion euros. Questo piano è, è l'occasione della vita. This is Europe's man on the moon moment. We are innovating here and we hope that you like it. L'Europe, d'une force commune d'intervention. Long live Europe. Long live Europe. Vive l'Europe.